Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hey, Matthew, we are back in our happy place in the studio with somebody that I cannot wait to talk to. Dude, I'm already fired up. I know. I'm already fired up. This is really cool because we've got a big Sin 315 family. Yeah. So one of our family members, Ron, he goes, Kevin, 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 oh, you got to talk to Greg Steer. You have to talk to him, man, because you're just going to go crazy. He's doing the same kind of thing that we're doing with his own flavor and his own way, and he's doing it with millions of young people all over the world. I think Ron gave me his book, and so then I listened to it three times, and it was crazy. Nice. <laughs> and then I listened to his podcast, the latest one with Doug. I want to talk to him. I want to talk to Greg about that. Mostly what I want to do is shut up and say, hey, Greg, welcome to the show. Hi, Greg. Hey, glad to be on here with you guys. Yeah, it's exciting because you're so close to our heart when it comes to we come from foothills christian church but people all over the world are listening mostly in our neighborhood though and they they love children and youth and they know that we must reach them like you were just saying before we got on the show what's that percentage of people that come to the lord in their teen years you know there's different statistics that float out there but it's it's somewhere around 80 percent of those that come to christ do it but by the time they're 18 years of age. So if I was in business, which I'm not, you know, I'd go to the demographic that was most likely to buy my product and sell my product, and that's teenagers and children. We love focusing on teenagers. They come to Christ quicker, spread the gospel faster and farther than adults. One 13-year-old on fire for Christ who's on TikTok can reach more people in a 30-second TikTok video that lays out the gospel than Billy Graham could come in 12 on. stadiums. Come on. Yeah, and it's changed, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, evangelism in general, I'm under the impression for me that the message is the same. The message is the gospel. The message is the same. But methods have to change because things work and don't work. I've got a, a good buddy, Jim Hammond, and he travels all over. He was with Billy Graham. Now he's with his sons and all over the world. And there's still a place for that. But boy, if you can get individuals on fire in their workplace, in their school, in their neighborhoods and stuff, that is revival. That's the real thing. Yeah. Two weeks ago, we did Dare to Share Live, which is a live simulcast from Denver. We had over a thousand sites, all 50 states, 27 countries, where youth groups were simultaneously trained, equipped, and mobilized to share the gospel using, we have an app called Life in Six Words. And uh, basically, just ask their friends, how would you describe your life in six words? They choose six words out of 14, say, why did you choose those words? And then they share their words where they share their testimony, and then kind of share with you God six words. And we have a gospel acrostic that they just swipe through yeah. on the app. I would like to say when they push, yes, I'm ready to trust Christ, water comes out from the app. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Keep amazing. working on it, brother. Keep working Keep on, going it. on it. 2.0, 2. baby, 2.0. But yeah, sure. it's... Uh, it's a new age for evangelism, and I think we have to do the come and see. Obviously, we want to yep. invite students and adults out to places where they can hear the gospel. This is where festivals are important. This is what Andrew Palau, Franklin Graham, Greg Laurie, come and see, come and see, yes. But we also have to combine uh, come and see with go and get. Because if we can mobilize uh, adults and young people to share the gospel in their own circle of friends— you're going to get acts like 
revival yeah, because man. that's what happened in the book of acts it was not just paul and peter it was everyday believers sharing christ with their oikos their circle of friends sure that's how the gospel spread from jerusalem to rome in 30 years without email without cell phones without tiktok without www.theapostlejohn.com yeah. uh, it spread viral face to face person to person well and you can see it right from the beginning okay so peter did a real good job telling the jews hey you killed the messiah <laughs> very direct but when on, on some of those episodes three thousand people come to the lord that's good that's really really good but what about those three thousand people what about lazarus what about the woman at the well what about all of those people that's when it really explodes just like you're saying well yeah like the book of romans that was planted by unknown believers. was not planted by an apostle a lot of people believe those were the acts two believers or some of them anyway that went that those three thousand that went back to rome and started house churches that yeah. blew up yep. uh, before Paul ever got there. Well, and what a secret weapon a, a kid who knows what a kid is going through, especially because getting him together with adults that care about him, love him, and mentor him, that's critical. It's got to happen. But the come and see appeared as that. And they trust them, probably wrongly so for the most part, but they have a mistrust for adults. And when they look around, why wouldn't they? So I want to talk to you about it because you have a podcast. It's Greg Steer Youth Ministries, right? It's the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. But I want to show you something. I know those listeners can't see that. That's the map on our Life in Six Words app. This is where active gospel conversations are happening with teenagers right now. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so what we're looking at is a map of the world that has little green dots expressing where each one of these locations is, and it looks like the entire earth is covered. (laughs) So what's encouraging is teenagers are sharing their faith. The Life in Six Words app is a simple, simple way to share the gospel for teenagers and for adults. I've used it hundreds of times and have never been turned down. It's interesting. You know, I've been doing evangelism since I was 11 years old. I'm 57 right now. And what I've seen is I've never been turned down to engage somebody with this and ask them, how would you describe your life in six words? Everybody loves to choose their words out of a list of 14. And then you ask them, why? Why'd you choose those words? All of a sudden, you're in a conversation. It's not an yeah. evangelistic presentation. It's a conversation. And you're listening to them. Wow. You're listening. And that's where Christians, we don't do well at. When you think of evangelists, you think of the guy on the corner with the repent sign and a bullhorn screaming at people, not engaging people. I actually go up to those guys. I'm like, hey, how's it going? How many people have you led to Christ this way? And they're always like, well, I'm getting persecuted for the gospel. I'm like, you may be being persecuted for your style not for the actual Mm -hmm. substance of the gospel Mm -hmm. and uh why don't you try to engage people and not enrage them the goal is to and again i mean i'm I'm, i want people to use different ways of sharing the gospel but we have to rethink how we evangelize and we need to make it more about the conversation than just some sales pitch yeah absolutely um we express the gospel story, and yes, we give them an opportunity to put their faith in Christ, but we need to do it in a way that it's going to, like Grandma used to say, you, you get more flies with honey than vinegar. Yes, you do. Greg, tell us again, how do you get that app? So that's right out front so people know how easy it is to do that. Yeah, just on your app store. Google Play or app, it's just life in six words. It's the numeric six, life in six words, and you look it up, and you can download it, and It'll have you put the names of people you're trying to reach in what we call your cause circle. Yeah. 
your cause, instead of calling it the Great Commission, we call it the cause. Great Commission to a teenager just sounds like a bunch of money you just made on a real estate deal. Yeah. <laughs> Teens are into causes. So you put the names of the people you're trying to reach in a cause circle. You choose your six words, and then you're ready to engage. You can use a social media button called Quick Starters to post on your Facebook or Twitter or whatever. You can send a video. We have a gospel video that's animated that's really well done that explains the gospel, you can send that directly to a friend, or you can just show them the app and just have them choose their words. What's cool is every activity you take is recorded. Those green lights light up. We have badges. Right on. Those are motivational. Those are for real. That's today. Nobody else sees them but you and Jesus, but you get to like, hey, I shared Christ today. It's like when you hit a 10,000 steps on your Fitbit, you feel like you got to accomplish something, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's all free. The app is a free app life in six words one of the things that you said in your conversation with doug on i think it's on your latest episode it's recent if not the latest you talked about the gravitational pull of youth ministry and that really really struck a chord with me and i'm not just talking a youth pastor in a church definitely i'm talking about that but beyond that because there are people who have youth in their life that they can have an impact on and um we just go back to the old ways. And um, mm-hmm. I have a son, he has a ministry called Visit Ministry. And Visit Ministry works with churches to open teen centers like we have. And he's got them all over the country. And in fact, even internationally. And it's to go into their neighborhood and into their world. And And I think this app would be a cool tool for them to I be can. made aware of, and I will. But it's different. I think you guys said in your conversation the same thing that Jeremy and I said, youth evangelism is broken. For the most part. Youth discipleship is broken because evangelism, and here's the problem. We make it the 401 class. And by the time they get to the 401 class, they're already institutionalized. And there's 10% of the people that started in the 101 class. Right. And I think we have to lead with evangelism. I think our Western discipleship model is content. Let's say I have a sponge and I have milk and I pour milk in that sponge. If I don't squeeze it out, it spoils. Yep. And so our solution in the West is, well, let's just get better quality milk and better quality pitchers to put the milk in. And we think if we get the best content, that somehow it's going to transform not just teenagers, but adults. I think it's true with adults as well. I was a pastor of a church. If they're not squeezing that out through evangelism and making disciples, they're going to rot. And that's what's the problem. Our churches, our youth ministries, our Christian schools smell like rotten milk because it's content that's never poured out squeezed out what happens when they begin to do that they come back thirsty for more we see this at dare to share we saw it at dare to share life these kids come back from the outreach because we all go out during dare to share life to share christ to pray for people care for people and share the gospel out loud with words they come back thirsty like hey why do we believe in the trinity why is it by faith alone that we're saved or how do we trust the bible they start asking these questions because they're they're engaged in squeezing out the truth to others. In one of your podcasts, you discussed the four chairs, and I'm interested in that. Can you share the concept of that? So I was talking to Doug Holliday, who's one of my great friends with Sun Life. He's the executive director of Sun Life, S-O-N-L-I-F-E. And their founder, Dr. Dan Spader, wrote a book called Four Chair Discipling based on the life and ministry of Jesus, that there's four chairs Jesus took people through. Chair one is the unbeliever. 
then unbeliever to chair two, which is believer. So that's when Jesus said, come and see and believe, put your faith in him. And then chair two to chair three, which is worker or disciple. Like that's when Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, which is almost eight to 12 months after they put their faith in Christ. He now calls them to go deeper and be a worker. And then, by the way, just as a side note, a lot of people think that's the first time Jesus encountered Peter and Andrew, and it's not. They believed months earlier in Christ. Now he calls them to go deeper, right? You. That's a, a worker, disciple maker, a fisher of men. And then that final chair is that disciple multiply, where they're making disciples who are making disciples. So unbeliever to believer, believer to worker, worker to disciple maker. Anybody interested in that can just look up for chair discipling. Just get the book on Amazon Prime. It's really, really good. Not just for youth ministry, for yeah. pastors. Yeah, you've got a ton of resources that are available. We'll have them in the show notes for sure. It's so interesting because like at the wedding at Canaan, the best wine was instant wine. And we think that it may take a long time for somebody to share what Jesus has done for them. They can do that from the very beginning. In this youth evangelism mobilization, I kind of see it as, in a way, it's going to sound weird, but treat them like the demoniac. Okay, so the demoniac gets miraculously healed and everything is great. And then he wants to hang out with Jesus for a while. And Jesus says, no, you're ready. Just go tell them what I did for you in the Decapolis and all those 10 towns and just unleashed them. Now, who know what the rest of his life was like? That would be amazing to know. But it's the same way with young people. The fact that they could do something, they can, they can do, do something. something right now. So we have students that dare to share that come to Christ and an hour later, they're sharing the gospel. They're new at it. We talk about three things. Every believer needs to share Christ. Gospel urgency, that's why mm. I should share it. Why, why should I do this? Why should I risk my social equity? Why should I risk rejection to share the gospel? So gospel urgency and then gospel fluency, and that's the gospel yeah. message. And so I dare to share, we use a gospel acrostic that we actually have students memorize. It's embedded in the app, but we have them memorize it before we teach them how to use the app. G-O-S-P-E-L. It tells the whole story of the gospel. God created us to be with him, Genesis 1 and 2. O is our sins separate us from God, Genesis 3. S, sins cannot be removed by good deeds, Genesis 4 through Malachi 4. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. E, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life, the book of John. And L, life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever, Acts of Revelation. So we have students memorize it, and we've had millions of teenagers. I, it was interesting. I was in Kenya two months ago, and I'm at the Maasai market talking to this Kenyan lady who's selling us trinkets, and I start taking her through the gospel acrostic, Life in Six Words. She starts quoting it. I'm like, <laughs> how do you know this? She goes, my pastor trained me this in 20 years ago and made us memorize these six sentences, this acrostic, and share Christ with six people in six days because it changed my life. And I'm like... I developed that acrostic 30 years ago, and we have been to Africa until two years yeah. ago. And she didn't actually believe we developed the acrostic. We had to show her the Dare to Share card. Wow. <laughs> but That's it's incredible. a way of creating gospel fluency. So right. gospel urgency is why. Gospel fluency is why. Gospel strategy is how do I bring it up? So you can use an app. We do a thing without the app called Ask, Admire, Admit. Ask questions. Get to know somebody. Find out what they believe spiritually. Admire what you can about what they believe, find common ground, and then admit the reason you're a Christian is you're so messed up, you needed Jesus to save you. Yeah. So, you know, every effective evangelism has got gospel urgency, gospel fluency, gospel strategy. A lot of times we skip 
urgency and fluency and go straight to strategy and wonder why it doesn't work. Mm, yeah. Our people need the why, but they also need to master the message of the gospel. And the gospel acrostic is a real simple way and to do And it needs that. to be that way because I got to tell you, I ran a youth center for a while and was a youth pastor for a while too. And there's so many people who are terrified of that idea. They don't feel equipped. They don't feel like they can do it. And if they have tools that make it simple, then they're way more likely to do it. I want to shift just a little bit because I know for a fact from running teen centers and being in the lives of young people that they come from very hard backgrounds. We have one place that's in Lakeside, used to be called the Pink Ghetto, that all they were were outlaw gangs creating crystal meth. The city that we were in was the Medellin of, uh, of crystal meth for years and years. That's changed some now because of a lot of people working very hard. But kids would cry when the youth center shut down because they had to go home. And it was really hard. And for example, you were very strongly affected by Columbine. We had two high school shootings. So there's some, just some hard, hard places. And I want you to uh, share a little bit of your story that's an unlikely fighter because there are people, number one, who are in that hard background and God's there with them. Can you give them some encouragement about where you came from and what God did in your family? Sure, yeah. Yeah, just this last year, I wrote a book called Unlikely Fighter that tells the story of growing up in this very dangerous family. The book is 22 chapters. The first 21 happened before I turned 16. So it's a memoir, but it's really of my growing up years and uh, was not raised in a religious family. Three of my uncles were competitive bodybuilders. The fourth one was a bouncer at the toughest bar in Denver. The fifth one was a gold gloves boxer, judo champion, and war hero. Wow. He had five bullet holes on his body and one bayonet scar. He not only survived, he killed the guy that gave it to him. My family, if you look up the word tough in a dictionary, you wouldn't see Clint Eastwood. You'd see my five well, uncles. And your uncles were all scared of their sister, your mom. Yep. <laughs> they had a deep respect for her. Yeah, she fought with everything that she had when she fought. She was physically, like, shockingly strong. She would beat guys in arm wrestling contests, like bodybuilders. And she used a bat, too, uh, just to hedge her bets. And I watched a beating once she gave to a guy, and it was, you know, I was five. And I joke about it now, but it traumatized me. My The Denver Mafia, the small domes, nicknamed my uncles the Crazy Brothers. So when the Mafia thinks your family's dysfunctional, it's not good. And I was like young Sheldon in the hood. I was a terrified little nerdy kid that would hide behind a couch to get away from the violence of my family, hide underneath the kitchen sink. I was just scared. I had no idea how I got stuck in this family. And every city's got a city. When you're in L.A. or something, that becomes more obvious, or New York or South Chicago. Well, every city. Denver's got an inner city. And I was raised in the highest crime area of Denver. Lincoln, Nebraska's got an inner city. Every city's got a city within the city. Yep. And ours was dangerous, and my family was far from God. I was raised in apartment complexes and trailer courts, and mom had been married several times, qualified uh, several times for welfare, but refused to take it because she was too proud. So she raised me and my brother on her own, and it was a bloody, rough, violent upbringing until a preacher, a hillbilly preacher from the Deep South, whose nickname was Yankee, for whatever reason. <laughs> what is that, Adam? Planted a church. He's still alive. He's on YouTube. You can look him up. It's so funny. To oh, watch I him. will for um, sure. He, on a dare from a guy named Bob Daly, who knew my family was too afraid to share the gospel, went to my Uncle Jack's house, knocked on his door on a Saturday morning. My Uncle Jack, the best way I could describe him is a 
beefed up version of the Wolverine. Uh, <laughs> big lamb chop sideburns, tats everywhere, huge guy, dope like this, mad like the Wolverine. But he would have smashed the Wolverine. The dude was tough, tough, tough. Went to jail once, spent a lot of time in jail, but once for choking two cops unconscious at the same time who were trying to arrest him on assault charges. Very dangerous man. Yankee goes right to his door, knocks on his door, says, hey, I'm here on a dare from Bob Daly to tell you about Jesus. He goes, I don't know Jesus. I know Bob. I'll give you five minutes. Invited him in, shared the gospel, basically the version of that gospel across it. Just went through the whole story of the gospel. Christ died for your sins. Jesus came for sinners. It's not by being good. Otherwise, we'd all go to hell. It's by faith in Christ and what he did for you on the cross. And my Uncle Jack had never heard the gospel before. He heard religion, hmm. but not that God loved him and sent his son to die for him. Yeah. Yankee said, does that make sense? And he goes, hell yeah. That was a sinner's prayer. It was hell yeah. He <laughs> trusted in Jesus. And then it began a domino effect in my family. One by one by one, my entire family ended up coming to Christ. I got involved in Yankee's youth group. Yankee had 800 teenagers in the youth ministry. He only had 300 adults in his church because he believed in the power of the gospel and the potential of youth. Mm. And so I was trained and equipped when I was 11, 12 years old to share Christ. And I was actually able to lead my own mom to Christ after three years of trying when I was 15 years old. She finally came to Christ and I discipled my mom because I was trained to do it. I wasn't the exceptional kid. I was one of a hundred on the student leadership team but we were taken seriously we were trained in systematic theology and evangelism right away it's almost like you got saved he give you a bible and he give you a stack of gospel tracts okay we're going to teach you to master this and we're going to teach you to do this and we're going to share this and we're going to do this all at the same time and it was my point of reference for youth ministry so when i got out i was like what you just do games and have a short lesson how lame is that how boring is that Yankee put us on mission. Yeah. As a kid from the hood who didn't have a dad, never knew my biological father, all of a sudden I had a heavenly father. All of a sudden I had an earthly cause to make disciples. All of a sudden I had a crew. I had a gospel game. And we were in it together. And it was fun. I loved it. I'd put that up against any game on the planet. And yeah, we played games in youth group and did all that stuff. But we got when it was time to get down to business, we got down to business. And I think youth ministry needs that kind of transformation, yeah. radical transformation. I wrote a book not too long ago called The Failure of Youth Ministry and How to Fix It. I love youth leaders. I love youth ministry, but it is not working. The trajectory of the rejection of the historic Christian faith is skyrocketing. And the traditional additional approaches we're using that are stuck in the 80s yeah, agreed. are not going to close the gap. We have to go New Testament on them. <laughs> and that is making a multiplying yep. disciples. I wrote a book called Gospelize Your yeah. Youth Ministry, I-Z-E. And the tagline is Radical New Paradigm that's 2,000 years old. There's nothing new about it. It's built on the seven values of a gospel advancing ministry. And we train now senior pastors. I just was in the Coachella Valley last week, and we trained like 50 lead pastors from the Coachella Valley in these same seven principles and values mobilize them to share the gospel, lead the way for their churches. So it applies church-wide. I just focus more on youth because they get it quicker. Yeah, go where the fish are.
I am going to connect you with Jeremy Miller so that you guys can talk for a few different reasons. One is you're just after it with all your heart and doing what God told you to do, and it's having fruit, which there's a lot of youth ministries that aren't having fruit, that's for sure. It's broken. We're in agreement. But I've never been more hopeful and more energized because we're seeing it happen, and we're also seeing a hunger from these young people. They want truth. They're looking around, and the entire world is shaken, and it's good. And so they're looking for it, and we need to be about it because it's happening. It's for real. Well, I fully agree. I really believe that if we can mobilize this next generation, we can see the trajectory transformed. People are worrying. I think we're playing too much defense. Like, well, there's there's this postmodernism and there's a woke culture. We got to stop it. We got to knock the smartphones out of their hands. I'm like, you know what? Let's play offense. Offense is we share the gospel that transforms hearts, we disciple that transforms minds, and then everything else flows out of that. Amen. Everything will take care of itself. Amen. And so I really f- feel like we need to play offense and we got to mobilize these teams and we got to stop just playing games. We got to start playing offense. Yeah. We're seeing absolutely. it. I, I, we have a youth leader in Memphis, Tennessee, named Gerard Gunter. And Gerard, five years ago, they had a white cop shoot a black kid on their church property, but he'd been trained in the seven values of a gospel advancing ministry mega church a black church in inner city memphis and he flipped it he's like you know what we're going to forgive that cop we're going to build relationships with law enforcement we're going to do prayer protests throughout the city to express our discontent with the current system but we're going to share the gospel along the way we're going to do prayer not just once a year at see at the pole they meet every wednesday for see at the pole they do it every wednesday <laughs> they had 400 kids out at their see at pole event right on and now they're uniting other churches not just in memphis but across the united states i actually brought him on with the dare to share live traveling preacher team because he's living it out he calls it riot starter i want to start a righteous riot and this is long before the other riots he's, he started riot yeah. starter which is a spiritual riot Tra- tearing down strongholds not buildings burning spiritual bridges not literal ones Mm -hmm. and i think we need more of that we need play offense that's what gerard's doing that's what we need to do let me ask you this greg for those people that are listening and as i said many many of them are not youth workers per se what would you encourage them their next step at the end of this podcast here's the next step for you to be mobilized to get in on the fun and the adventure of this happening what would you tell them to do First of all, I would say you probably have more youth leaders than you think. A youth leader is a leader of youth. So a leader of youth can be an actual youth pastor. It can also be a volunteer. It can also be a dad, mom, a grandfather, a grandmother. So a leader of youth. So you may have two or three in your youth group, quote unquote, but most of you are probably in some way a youth leader. So we call a gospel advancing leader as someone who personally shares the gospel and mobilizes youth to do the same. So I would encourage you to become a gospel advancing leader. Set the pace, share the gospel. If you don't know how, you can download the Life in Six Words app. If you can swipe and read, you can share Christ. And then give it to your kids, your grandkids. Get them on it. Talk to your youth pastor about doing Dare to Share Live. It's free. It's next November, November 11th. And our goal is to see gospel conversations in one day around the world led by teenagers and pray 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 i'd encourage you to pick up unlikely fighter the book i don't get a dime of it it all goes back to mobilize more students for the gospel 
but unlikely fighter we really encourage you just last week was on focus on the family yes, show we did a two-part series with jim daly and he was really encouraged by the book i think you will be very encouraged by the book and you'll get a vision for two things the power of the gospel and the potential of youth hmm. and also how god can use you in this process of reaching a nation reaching the world so unlikely fighter you can get it on amazon prime or wherever okay so this is what i do i tell my people while supplies last, I'll give you the book for free because I don't listen to books three times because I've got to do research or something. I got other things to do. I listened to it three times because it was compelling. It was powerful. It resonated with me. Last thing, Greg, I totally believe in prayer. And I just want you to pray for the people that are listening. I just pray for God breathing on this message that we're sharing together that it would mobilize. I love that word. Yeah, let's do it. Father, I thank you for this podcast. I thank you for the heartbeat behind it. I pray, God, that you would help every person listening to this podcast be energized, or that they would be energized by the gospel urgency of the reality of the command of your son to go and make disciples, the reality of the compassion we need to have for those who are hurting around us, the reality of everlasting hell waiting for those who don't hear and believe the gospel message lord would you just energize them with these eternal realities and would you mobilize them would you mobilize them starting with their coworker, their friend their family member whoever that person is your holy spirit is impressing on their heart right now may they be faithful to take the next steps and just bring it up and lord would you gospelize their entire families entire neighborhoods entire workplaces entire cities entire nations this entire world, Lord, so that everyone everywhere can have every last chance to hear the gospel. I pray, God, that we would not overlook young people, that we would see them as the secret weapon in the battle against Satan, and that we would mobilize them, energize, mobilize, and gospelize them for your eternal glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.